Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Well, good morning. I'm happy to be here this morning. I hope you can say the same thing. Uh, If you would, in your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah chapter number 9. Um, we'll um, take our text from there and kind of move through. I, at the beginning of the um, Christmas series, Don and I did a draft of what, um, what words we wanted to use. There's four words. We talked about joy already. We talked about peace. Today we're going to talk about hope. Next week we'll talk about love, four words that we find in the Christmas story. Um, hope was the number one, number one pick. Um, so hopefully I do that a little bit of honor today. But one of the things I love most about the Christmas time, or the Christmas season, I should say, is the way the world kind of shifts, right? We come to this part of the time of the year, and it feels like if someone's compared Thanksgiving to New Year's as the Friday afternoon of the year, nothing gets done, everything slows down, no one sends an urgent email anymore, um, and if they do, they're not getting a response till January 3rd. No one <laughs> sets up a meeting um, to discuss important business because that's just going to get pushed and rescheduled and changed a million times. But one of the things I really and seriously love about this time of the year is it's a time of reflection. We review the past year. We review the stories that we know and the traditions that we carry year to year. And we look back and that helps us moving forward. We have this time of year, every year, that we slow down and we enjoy and are thankful for the past year with Thanksgiving. We are thankful for all that God's done. We have Christmas where we spend time together and love on each other. And then we have New Year's where we review the previous year, set all the things we want to change, and we change them for two weeks, and then we move on to the way the world usually works. Um, But... Out of that and moving from that kind of um, thinking is why I want to bring the sermon that I have today. And if I were to title it, it would be Why Christmas Should Cause Us to Hope. So we'll look at Isaiah chapter number 9, starting verse number 2. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon, uh, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations and not increased the joy, the joy there before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, and in the day of Midian. For every battle of the, of the warrior is with a confused noise and the garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with a burning and fuel fire. For unto us is born, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice henceforth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. God, we thank you again um, for the wonderful Christmas story. 
We thank you again for what it causes and brings into our life, Lord. We thank you for all the things that you've done, Lord. We pray that today, um, through this sermon, Lord, you would give us some reasons to hope, some reminders to hope. Lord, I pray that you speak with us, meet with hearts, minister to hearts, and give me all that you would have. Fill me with your spirit in your name. Amen. So first, before we talk about why Christmas should cause us to hope, I think it's important that we define hope. And really, that opening video covers a lot of the points I want to talk about. So first off, defining hope was not hope the way we use it in our everyday language. I hope this comes to pass. I hope this happens for me. I hope this some person does this or that. Hope, as we often use it, is a desire for good things, but it carries a lot of uncertainty. If this and this and this and this happens, then that thing that I desire will come to pass. Biblical hope is not only the desire of good things to happen, but it's expectation. Unlike how we use a whole word hope, I hope this comes to pass or this happens, Bible hope is certainty. Hope is a part of faith that focuses on the future. When we talk about hope in our day-to-day -day language, we use it very casually. When we talk about Bible hope and hope from heaven, it is a surety. It is an exercise of our faith. Hope is a reservoir of emotional strength. If I don't have hope and I'm put down or I'm wronged or offended, and I try and look to an emotional reservoir of hope for strength, when I am put down and I am offended or wronged, if I don't have hope, I have no hope of overcoming that. Or I have no way to overcome that. But if I have hope, I have a reservoir of emotional strength. And then when I'm put down, or I'm wronged, or I'm offended, I can look into that emotional reservoir of hope and find strength to return good for evil. Right. Without hope, I have no power to absorb that. And I have no power to walk in love. Right. If I have no hope, then I sink into a self-pity or self-justification. Using this reservoir of emotional strength that hope is, if I experience a setback in my planning, I get sick or things don't work out the way I would have chosen, I can look to this emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to, to keep going and not give up. If I face temptation to be dishonest, to steal, to lie, or to lust, I look to this emotional reservoir of hope for strength to hold fast to the way of righteousness and deny myself some brief, unsatisfying pleasure. Hope is an emotional reservoir of strength. It is a function of faith. It is certainty. So first we, we see that we must define hope. Next, we see every day that we desire hope. There's not a day our eyes open that we don't need hope. Inside our spirits, in some days, it's so much more clear that we need hope from somewhere. But every day when we wake up, we must have hope. The desire of hope is the human condition. A hope-filled life is one where the joy that we've talked about already, the peace of the Lord and the love of the Lord is abundant and obvious. And that is a life that the Christian is designed to live in. So we define hope, we desire hope, and we must, in order to set the groundwork of why the Christmas story should cause us to hope, we must determine to be hopeful. Determining to be hopeful is the daily work of the Christian. In Psalm chapter number 42, I'll read it for you. Um, the verses won't be on the screen. Psalm chapter number 42, starting in verse 1. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite psalms. And you've probably heard songs coming out of this psalm. It says, As the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. 
My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So we read this psalm here. Dave, we can assume that it's his David writing. I don't know one way or the other. Who are talking about a panting, a desire for hope that we know. Uh, and talking about desiring and trying to find God. And we get to verse number five. And the dialogue changes from man to man to man to self. It says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? I feel like a few of us can identify with that. Yeah. Being so despondent and in despair that the only voice we feel we can hear or the only one that can hear us is ourselves. And we say to ourselves, why are we so cast down? Why are we so disquieted? The answer to the disquieting and the casting down and the hopelessness we find is hoping in God. Why? Why should we hope in God? Why should we find hope in God? And we'll go through a few points in the Christmas story why we can find it in this story. Because the answer always is, for I shall yet praise him Amen. for the help of his countenance. So what does that mean? For I shall yet praise him. You will find in life and in the Christian life there is often disappointment, but there is always reason to praise God. And the first point I want to show to you why the Christmas story should cause us to hope is it reminds us who Jesus is. Amen. He is merciful and full of grace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 6 calls him the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. When we talk about this need for hope that we always find ourselves in and some days the need for hope is even stronger than others. One reason and why we should find in the Christmas story is because who Jesus is. Amen. Jesus is the promise fulfilled from the Father. Amen. Long before any of us were born, enmity was placed between God and man because of the sin and the original sin. But this is an exercise of God having a plan anyways, and we'll get to that. But we should take time, and this time of the year when we reflect through the previous year, and we look over our family traditions, and we do the things that make us comfortable, and we feel nostalgic over, take time to remind ourselves who Jesus is. And we'll take a few verses here. Isaiah chapter 9 is our text verse. Uh, we talked about a counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor doesn't just give advice, but he gives instruction. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is the instruction for daily living. Amen. He is a mighty God. He is one that problem solves on a level higher than we could even fathom. He's the everlasting father. So who is that? A father that loves from beginning to end. Amen. He is the prince of peace. And every day, as we struggle for hope, the same struggle for peace arises. 
and he is the prince of it. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 17, verse number 14, and also mirrored in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So not only is Jesus a counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace, he's with us. There are a lot of things you can attribute to a lot of friends, but one of the best friends is a friend that's there. Amen. You can have a friend that loves and is thoughtful and is kind, but if they're not around when you need them, how good are they? In our deepest need, in our darkest hour, in our greatest cause of hopelessness, God is with us. Amen. He is Emmanuel. And that is an is not only a title, it's a promise. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter number 60, verse number 16, another prophecy speaking about Jesus, says, I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer. Luke 2.11 calls him, or says of this, For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Not only is he a counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace with us, he is our savior and our redeemer. So out of the situations that we find ourselves in deservingly, he is our savior. And out of, uh, out of, in the situations that rob us of our value, he is our redeemer. He restores the value of life. So first, Christmas should cause us to be hopeful because it reminds us who Jesus is. But secondly, it reveals he has a plan. Back in, I mentioned it already, back in the Garden of Eden, when we talked about Adam and Eve and that original sin when uh, Adam was beguiled by the serpent and ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Adam took it on as well. Jesus, our, the Lord is talking to the serpent and he curses the serpent to be on its belly the rest of its, its days. He says, I, and this is talking to Satan, I will place enmity between thee, thy seed and her seed. And ye shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise his head. So that's a prophecy speaking about Jesus saying that at some point you will take the seed of the woman, which is the virgin born Jesus Christ. And he will bruise his heel, but he'll bruise his head. He will find victory over what this condemnation is that has come from this sin. Jesus, God had a plan Amen. from the very beginning Amen. of time. Right. Long before, and even long before that, in Revelation chapter number 13, verse number 6, it calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation. So all through time we can see God working for something. We can see God always pointing to one thing. And in Romans chapter number 5, verses 12 and 17, you can look it up after, the Bible says that through one man sin entered into the world, Adam. And through one man's sacrifice, Jesus, that grace was passed on to all. So from the very beginning of time, and even before the beginning of time, before the foundations were laid, God was, had a plan. Don't you think that in these situations that pop up in our life, if God had all this orchestrated, all these plans laid out, God has a plan for you. Yes. Why should I hope? Because I know that God isn't flying by the seat of his pants. I know he has a plan. Right. 
And if in your life you can take it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even here on Sunday, know that God has a plan for you. I don't know, it's not been revealed to me what his plans are for you, but rest in the fact and hope in the fact that God has a plan. Amen. Amen. And lastly, that brings us to our final point that we'll talk about why Christmas causes us, should cause us to hope. First, it reminds us who Jesus is. It reveals he has a plan, and it reassures us he's working. The powerful point of God working should not be lost. Yes, we know he has a plan, but let me tell you, he will work to make it happen. Amen. God ended the Old Testament with prophets talking about Israel and talking about what was coming, and then there were 400 years of silence. Not a word from heaven, not a word from a prophet, Oftentimes, I feel like we find ourselves like we're, we're getting silence from heaven. Maybe the signal's dropped. Our prayers aren't getting through. We don't have any answers from heaven. Let me tell you, there's one time in human history we didn't hear from heaven. And that was that 400-year period. And during those 400 years, God never stopped working. God was still orchestrating his plan. It was still coming to pass. Just look at the Christmas story. The shepherds were in the right place by happenstance to be appeared to. Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem, the prophesied city that Jesus would be born in, by happenstance because the government decided to make a law that year. The star that appeared to the wise men out of nowhere, pointing them to this little manger where, or to the city of Bethlehem. And the powerful thing about that is we think about the wise men and we think, oh, it's a myth. They weren't actually there at the, at the manger scene. They weren't, may not have been there at the manger scene, but they came to Bethlehem. Yeah. And Jesus was still in Bethlehem. Yeah. If you look at the Christmas story... You can't take away God has a plan and that he's working. So when you look at your life, know, have hope that he's working and he has a plan for you. Where do we see God talk about having a plan for us? In Jeremiah 29, 11 verse, uh, chapter uh, 29, verse 11 and 13, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and find me. When ye shall search for me with all your heart. And then Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, and this is a verse that we'll end on. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So we take, can take hope from a few things in the Christmas story, and this is just a couple. We take hope that Jesus is all that he was then and even more to us now. We can take a reminder that God has a plan, and we can reassure that he's working. Let's pray. Um, we'll have an invitation. Lord, we thank you for all the reasons you cause us to hope. The Bible says your mercies are new every morning. And it's because of them we are not, it's because of your compassion we are not consumed. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this 
Christmas story, how you, the grand stage that you appeared on for us, Lord. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.